0: Well, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Life Point Church. My name is Adam Purcell. I'm the teaching pastor here. We are really glad that you're here to worship Jesus. With us this morning whether it's your first time or you've been here so many times you've lost track we are genuinely thankful that you're here to worship jesus with us we're in a series that we're calling senior moments where we're looking through hebrews chapter 11 and then just a little bit of of chapter 12 and the big idea for the series is don't forget to look up if you're interested in taking notes in your listening guide or in our app or in a journal or however you want to do that that's the the first point in our message notes today is don't forget to look up. Because here's the reality that I think you and I experience. I was at uh, the football game on Friday night in Mount Vernon, we're four 0 which is exciting, excited about that. And so, so I'm talking to a guy that I actually played football with uh, at Mount Vernon a long time ago and his son now plays, he's having a great season. And we're having one of those, you know, like in our culture it's normal to have kind of meaningless like small talk, right? We are having, we were doing that. And I said something like, man, how are you guys doing? And you know what he said to me? We're really busy. And I didn't need to know him. Like, we probably haven't talked since, you know, I was 17 and he was 18. I didn't need to have that conversation with him to know that he probably felt busy. And I probably don't need to know you at all to think if I were to ask you, hey, are you busy? You'd probably either say yes, or you'd laugh and say, you have no idea. So you and I, we live in this culture. That, that kind of encourages us to, to kind of sprint from thing to thing to thing to thing, and almost all the things that we're sprinting to are all really good things, but what, what happens in our sprinting from thing to thing is our attention is constantly directed to merely the horizontal, and we also have these wonderful devices. These are great. I'm not saying don't have one. I, I have one, but the reality that we also experience is these wonderful devices, they ding and they buzz. And when they do one of those things, like little alarm bells go off in our heart. and We're like, yay, there's something extremely important that has just happened and I have to look. And so then what happens is we, we look and there's something in us too that for whatever reason thinks that whatever that ding or buzz was is far more important than whatever is happening in life right now, right? And so you, you, might, you might be with, like I might be on a date with my wife Molly and she's telling me something really important and I hear a ding or I feel the buzz and I'm like, hold up. Clearly this is more important. Whatever this is, than this. And so I, you know, I might pull out my phone, oh hey, my friend who's also a Browns fan thinks they'll win tonight. Hold on Molly, let me respond to this really important text that like, like, that's what we do. Like for some reason we think that if we get a text or an email that there's this expectation of an immediate response that whatever's happening horizontally is far less important than whatever came to you from far, far away via the interwebs. But here, here's the reality. It's really easy because of all those things to forget to look up. And what we see in Hebrews chapter 11 is is he's kind of listing this kind of hall of faith. These people who, they had faith. They had this habit of looking up, so to speak, to this great God who really is there and really loves us and really sent us in Jesus to redeem us from our sin by his death and resurrection. And so what I've been praying for, for us as as a congregation, is that we wouldn't forget to look up. (laughs) that in the midst of our busyness and in the midst of probably, you know, probably starting as soon as you leave here today, you're probably gonna feel like the sprint has begun again. And maybe for you, this is part of the sprint, right? Like I sprinted here, I'm gonna sprint out of here to the next thing. I just wanna say to you, don't, don't forget to look up. Don't, don't spend your life just sprinting from thing to thing to thing. And so today we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 16, uh, but as is our habit, we're going to pray and ask God to help us before we jump into, into his word together. So let's pray together, please. Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you for, for your choice to reveal yourself to us through your holy word. And Father, for, you to, for your choice to review, reveal yourself most fully through your son, Jesus, and God, our our hope this morning is that by being here together and worshiping Jesus and studying your word together, that we would end up loving Jesus more, trusting Jesus more, and ultimately that we would end up obeying Jesus more because you have made us more like him. And Father, we confess to you that that's not something that we can do on our own, but, but rather, Father, we We need your help. And so, Father, please, by your Holy Spirit, please be active and present among us. God, helping us to become like your son, Jesus, because we acknowledge to you that that is the best thing for us. Father, for those of us who are here who uh, we just don't know uh, or trust your son, Jesus, yet, Father, we are so thankful that they are here with us this morning. And, God, we ask uh, on their behalf that you would reveal yourself to them by your Spirit in our time together and that they would leave here trusting and loving your son Jesus and experiencing the salvation that so many of us already have. Father, we love you. Please help us as we study your word together this morning. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to read verses 8 through 16. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God." Verse 11, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. And what what the author of Hebrews is there referring to, if you're unfamiliar with, with Genesis, is Abraham and Sarah, God had promised them a child, a child of promise. And they got really, really, really old before God fulfilled that promise. And the author of Hebrews is reminding us that Abraham and Sarah were basically as good as dead. Before they had Isaac, this child of the promise, but they had faith in, in God. Verse 12, therefore from one man and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. <clears throat> All these died in faith not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. And again, what he's saying there is he's saying, hey, when you look at how Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Sarah, when you look at how they spoke, it was clear they were seeking a homeland, but it's also clear they didn't mean Their homeland, like where they had just come from. Because if they meant that, they just would have gone back. But they clearly didn't mean that because they, they didn't go back. They were looking for something better. Verse 16, "...but as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city." And so what we're gonna do for the rest of our our time in God's word is look at kind of three points that happen kind of by by faith that we see exemplified by by Abraham and Sarah in particular. And the first that we'll say is, by faith, we go. We saw in the text that God said to Abraham, I want you to go, and he left. He left his homeland, and he didn't even know where he was going yet is what the text says. And so that is also true of us, that, that by faith, you and I, if you've been made new in Jesus, by faith in Christ, We go. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 11 is really similar to Matthew 28, which I think a lot of you are familiar with. In Matthew 28, it's called the Great Commission, and Jesus says to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. In Acts chapter 1, this is Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 11, it's a similar message from Jesus. It says, and while staying with them, them being the disciples, he, he being Jesus, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they, the disciples, had come together, they asked him, Lord... Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So that they're asking Jesus, hey, is now the time when heaven comes to earth and you restore everything and make it exactly like it's supposed to be? Great question. And Jesus says to them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Verse 8: But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. And so verse 8, remember, Jesus says to them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. And he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Jerusalem is the city where they live. So for us, that's Mount Vernon, kind of Knox County, right? Judea is the general area where Jerusalem is, right? So just like for us, that's central Ohio. Samaria was this area just um, just north of, of Judea, but it was also an area full of people that that they hated. So for us, maybe that's Michigan, right? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's our Samaria. By the way, as a side note, if you're a Michigan fan, we love you. But I have to confess, watching that game yesterday brought me just a special kind of joy. Amen, right? Like amen. Like just a just a special, a special kind of happiness that. Sorry, that's not really in the Bible. I probably shouldn't have said that, but I've said it twice now, so it was really good. So Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let me ask you a question. So Jesus says to the the disciples, and by extension also to any of us who trust Jesus for our salvation, you're going to be my witnesses in all these places. Could they have done that, the disciples, without going anywhere? Like if you're in Jerusalem, and Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Can they accomplish that mission without any Christians going anywhere? The answer is no. By faith, we go. The way we often say it is we are missionaries. Like, if you are new in Christ, you are a missionary. I'm not trying to tell you to become a missionary. I'm telling you, you are a missionary. You might be a bad one. You might be a good one. But you are a You and I are missionaries, and as missionaries, we do whatever it takes to reach the one. So Jesus told his disciples, hey, you're going to receive power, but you've got got to go. We are called to go to the ends of the earth. Now, some of us, we're called to go across the hallway, right? Across the hallway at work or maybe uh, in our our dorms or our classrooms, maybe across, across the city. Some of us, I think, are going to be called to go kind of more to our Judea, to central, central Ohio, and maybe you're gonna be part of LifePoint's next church planting team where we're planting another church somewhere in, in central Ohio. You might feel called to go and just move like 45, 55 minutes south. That might be you. Some of us maybe are gonna to move to Michigan or to Denver or to New York City to be a part of a church planting team to make disciples there. Some of you, I've been, I've been praying all week. God's already speaking to you about this, or maybe today is the first day where God begins to speak to you about Maybe he's calling you to go across an ocean to, to learn a new language, maybe to, to a dangerous place, so that you could do whatever it takes to reach the one. And, and, and neither of those callings are more than or less than, because all of us in Christ, by faith we go. And the going doesn't have to be cross-cultural, the growing, going doesn't have to be across an ocean, but in Christ, Jesus told us to go. We our missionaries, and we do whatever it takes to reach the one. Whether that, what, what, whatever it takes, might be new language, new clothing, new country. It it might be scheduling a meeting with that coworker that you love, and as far as you know, they don't know Jesus yet, and you love them, and you love Jesus, and and you're hoping, you're praying that somehow God will reveal to them also. That Jesus is, is the best. So a few weeks ago, uh, we, we had a, a similar kind of application point, and I challenged you. I said, hey, you know, we do whatever it takes to reach the one. Who, who's your one? And, and I gave you two, two choices there. And some, so some of you, you would have said that Sunday, and maybe hopefully you would still say, yes, I know who my one is. I've got one, maybe two or three people, and I know who they are, and I'm praying for them intentionally. And my challenge to you a few weeks ago, and maybe you did this. If you did, great job. If you didn't, you know, today's, today's another chance my challenge to you was schedule a meeting with them this week. The meeting doesn't have to happen this week, but reach out to them. Call them, text them, email them, whatever you need to do. And just say, hey, I would love to have coffee with you sometime. I would love to grab lunch with you. I would love for your family to come over and have dinner sometime with us. Whatever it is, is, there's there's no magic special way to do it, but it's you going out of your way to reach out to this person to have a conversation with them. And now, once you've done that, you get a date on the calendar that you can pray for intentionally. Say, hey God, as far as I know, this person doesn't know you, and I want them to know you. So, God, as they prepare to come over for dinner that night, or as we grab coffee next Thursday, or, you know, whatever, God, would you, would you begin working on their heart? God, would you help me to see the opportunities that you're giving me even now to share Christ with this, with this person? Would you, would you do it? And now you can pray specifically for this conversation that you're going to have. And, and again, God does the same thing. We just, were his witnesses. Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so in that conversation, maybe you don't even get to talk about Jesus. Okay, that's fine. You're gonna do whatever it takes to reach the one. You're not gonna shrug your shoulders and say, oh, I tried. Let's not do that. Now, some of you, you're listening, you're like, man, I don't know that I have a one. I don't know that I have one or two or three people that I'm praying for intentionally that, I, that as far as I know, they don't yet know and love Jesus. And so my challenge to you this week would be pray about who can that be for you. And by the time we come back next Sunday, a lot of us will have scheduled a meeting. The rest of us will have kind of chosen, will have chosen that, that one, two, or three people that we're going to commit to pray for because we're missionaries. And as missionaries, we do whatever it takes to reach The one. One of the things that I want to point out that Jesus said in Acts chapter one, verse eight, that is so easy for us to forget. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Because what happens in in our kind of evangelical US culture is we get this mixed around and so, so we schedule this meeting and this is what we say. We say something like, hey, friend that I love very much, I used to be bad, now I'm good. And we tell them our story, and then Jesus is like a subpoint to our story. But that's not what we're called to do. We're not called to witness to ourselves. The message isn't, I once was bad and now I'm good. The message is, Jesus is amazing. Let me tell you about Jesus. So John 3:16 says that God loves the world so much, including you and me, that he sent his son, Jesus. Jesus lived perfectly. He was arrested, tortured, and executed on a cross. God's word tells us that his shed blood pays the penalty for our sin. And anyone who trusts Jesus can be reconciled to God and receive forgiveness of everything wrong that we've ever done. But the great news is he didn't stay dead. On the third day, Jesus rose again and he now has this indestructible life that he's offering to everyone for free. It's this thing called grace. And if you would just trust him, you get this forgiveness and you get this life. So do you see how like the main story is Jesus? And then absolutely, did Jesus make my life better? Am I a better man than I was before I knew Jesus? Yes, should I share that? Yes, but then I can say, hey, as a sub point to witnessing to Jesus, because he's the one I want you to trust and revere, because he's the best. I'm not the best. Yeah, I I trust him, and he has changed me. And if you're asking me, do I have more joy today than I did before I knew Jesus? Yes, a million percent. Am I a better man than I was before I knew Jesus? Yes. Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses, not go witness about yourself. He said, go witness about, about me and what I have accomplished. And so, so as we engage in this missionary work, which we are all called to do, if you are new, you are a missionary. Don't spend your time witnessing about yourself and making Jesus a subpoint to your story. Witness about Jesus and make your story a subpoint to his story. Because he's the one who saves. He's the one who forgives. And, and the challenge is, like, It's so easy, like in I used to be bad and now I'm good, in that way of thinking. If I look horizontally, I can find some people that I'm better than. But part of following Jesus is I, I have this habit of looking up where I'm not comparing myself to you, I'm comparing myself to Jesus. And when you do that, you see pretty quickly that I'm not good. Am I better now than I was? Absolutely. Am I good? Well, compared to whom? If you're asking compared to Jesus... I'm not even close. So don't make the mistake of saying, hey, I used to be the worst and now I'm awesome. That's not what we're called to witness to. We're called to witness to Jesus. He's awesome and he's the best. And here's the reality. If, if you begin to take this seriously, what you're gonna find is it's really hard to follow Jesus the way he commands us in his word and you're, we're gonna need help. But the great news is that we see in Hebrews chapter 11 is that we get help. The way the text said it is, by, by faith we receive power. Now, in the text, it said that, that Sarah, who was past the age of childbearing, she received power by faith to, to bear Isaac, the son of promise. But, but a great question for us is, if it's true that, that by faith you and I were made new and we received power, what does that mean? Right? And so I want to talk about, I think there are two errors that that we can easily fall to in in our US culture. The first, I don't think a lot of us struggle with, but it'll be important to to name it. And so So I think the first error when we see in the word that we receive power when we trust Christ for for salvation is this mentality of, okay, I receive power to do whatever I want, whenever I want. It's like if you've seen the new Aladdin, which we love, it's like like the genie, right, like unlimited power. Like that's what we think God is promising us in his word. But when you look in his word, that's not what it is. And if God were to give you that, then we should all spend every second of every day in hospitals, and in foreign countries where, that are war zones, right? Because because if God's given us this unlimited power to do whatever we want, whenever we want, we can just walk around like healing people and like, solving global crises, and we can do whatever we wanted, but we find that's not actually what God gave us the power to do. It's not power to do whatever you want, whenever you want. That's not what's promised in, in the Word. On the flip side, in my hunches, this is where most of us might fall off the cliff if if we were in one of these two errors. The other error, if the first one is classified, we can call the first one power to do everything. The second one, we could say power to do nothing. We, We would say, yes and amen, God has given me power. Well, what do you mean by that? I mean that God has given me the power to do what I could have done regardless of whether he existed or not. Like, I could still be a decent husband, and a decent pastor, and a decent citizen, and you know, I could be an okay dad, and like, like that's, what we, that's what we think it means, and it, it doesn't mean that either. It doesn't mean that it, it doesn't mean nothing, but it doesn't mean everything, because we see in the word clearly that by faith, we receive power. So if it doesn't mean that I can do whatever I want, whatever I want, power, and if it means more than nothing, then then what does it mean? Like, what kind of power do we receive by by faith? And and maybe a way we could say it is, it's not power to do whatever I want, but it's power to do what God wants. And there are more than three examples. I'm gonna talk about three, and we'll read several passages that we'll actually work pretty quickly through, but the three that I'll mention this morning is the power to know and love Jesus, the power to help other people, and the power to ask for help. And so Ephesians 3, 16 through 21, we're kind of jumping into the middle of this prayer that Paul is writing in his letter to Ephesus. He says that according to the riches of his glory, he, he being God, he may grant you to be strengthened with power, strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, Verse 17, so that. And so Paul's going to start to say, so that some stuff can happen. And so Paul's saying, hey, I'm praying for you. Christians in Ephesus, I'm praying for you that you can be strengthened with power, God's spirit in you, and this is what's going to happen. And you're ready for like, okay, here's like the really cool, miraculous stuff. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And you're like, that's it? These people already have Christ. They're believers. You're writing to a church, Paul. I was like, no, this is what I'm praying for. I'm praying that God would grant them to be strengthened with power so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And, and we tend to almost shrug our shoulders at that miracle. Like God is, like God is saying, hey, I'm going to give you this power, and the power is to know and love me, to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, to have Christ dwell in your hearts. And we, we sometimes in our sinfulness will shrug our shoulders at and say, is that all? Like what? Like did you know you before you met Jesus? That's a really big deal, that God by his strength and power would give us the capacity to know him. And to love him, it's miraculous. If you're asking what kind of power do we receive by faith, one of the things you're going to see in the scriptures, more than probably you think, like if you word search the New Testament, more than you think, it's stuff like this. It's not like knowing the future or healing all the sick people. It's just knowing and loving Jesus. And it's not just a just Verse 20, Paul continues. He says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think, according to the power at work in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. By faith we receive power, and part of that power is simply the power to know and love Jesus and to do what we do for his glory. The second thing that we see, though, is that we, we are increasing in our power to help and serve others. 1 Peter 4, 8 through 11. This is 1 Peter 4, 8 through 11. says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so one of the other things that happens by faith in Jesus Christ, we receive power. What does that power enable us to do? It enables us to be servants. To love and serve other people in the way that Christ has commanded us. Uh, my wife Molly and I had a chance to go on like a, a lunch date on, on Friday and one of the things that, that we talked about, I asked her, I said, hey, we've been married a little over 12 years and it's been really good. And I asked her, hey, what, what are maybe a couple things, three things that, that you wish every other married couple could know that you feel like we've learned over the course of the last you know 12 years or so? And I won't tell you everything she said, but one of the things that, that she talked about was how. Both she and I love Jesus more than we did 12 years ago. July 7th, July 14th, sorry, Molly, love you. July 14th, we tried the 7th, but everyone was like, 777, 7, let's book churches, and so we did the 14th. July 14th, hopefully I'm still married when the sermon's over, um, July 14th, 2007. If you asked me, Adam, do you, do you love Jesus more today than you did 12 years ago? Are you more like Jesus today? than you were 12 years ago? I'd say yeah, and and I know know that Molly would as well. And so what that means for she and I is over the last 12 years, we have both grown in our capacity to love and serve one another. And it's not just in marriage. I'm, I'm a better Christian now, I'm more like Christ, I'm a better dad than I was 12 years ago. I'm a better coworker than I was 12 years ago. By faith we receive power, and part of that power is the power to love and serve other people in ways that are meaningful to them, and to do so with an attitude that's Christ-glorifying. If you notice in First Peter chapter four, it talked about how, hey, everything that we're doing, we're, we're, we're serving with the strength God provides, we're speaking in a way that is like the oracles of God, in order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, because to him belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. And so it's really, really hard sometimes when we're serving other people, because sometimes we're not really serving, we're manipulating, and then we get angry when our manipulation didn't work, right? I'm sure. I mean, I've never done that. I've seen other people do that, right? Like, do you do that? Do you know what I'm talking about? You serve someone, and then like a day or a week or an hour later, you're really angry at them because it wasn't service. It was control. And you're like, well, I'm going to do this thing for them so that they do these other things for me. This is control, not serving. I'm sure none of you struggle with that. I've read a book about someone who did once. And so, but as we become more like Jesus, we can actually serve with no strings attached. Because I'm not serving you to control you. I'm serving you to glorify Jesus. And it happens just in the the nitty-gritty of life. Like, let's say you're in an apartment at MVNU or or at Kenyon, and everyone else besides you thinks that dishes wash themselves. And it's not your job to wash their dishes. Maybe you could. Or maybe this happens in your your workspace, right? There's just like a pile of junk every, every week in the sink. And you're like, who doesn't see this? And it's not your job. But maybe you could serve with the strength that God provides. Not because you have to, but because you can. And you're not doing it to manipulate other people. You're not doing it to feel superior to those slobs. Not that that would ever happen either. You're doing it because you love Jesus. By faith we go. By faith we receive power. Power part of that power is an increased capacity to love and serve other people, not manipulating them, not to feel superior to them, but because we love Jesus and we want to see Jesus glorified. Now, the third one, and again, this list isn't exhaustive, but the third one I'll mention is the power to ask for help. Second Corinthians 4.7 and 2 Corinthians 12.9 are the two, two verses we'll read here. 2 Corinthians 4.7, Paul says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul says, But he wrote, or he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. You guys hear that? My power is made perfect in weakness. God's power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I think for a lot of us, I dare say all of us, it's really difficult for us to ask for help. I think we've all got different reasons for that. I think some of us like to think we've got it all together and asking for help destroys that illusion. I think some of us, we know we need help, but we're afraid that if we were to voice that and ask for the help, we wouldn't get help, we would get judged and now we've just got one more problem as opposed to someone who's loving us and serving us and try to either give us resources themselves or connect us to other resources. Um, some of it's pride. We just don't want people to know what's going on for real in our life. But Paul says that God said to him that his grace is sufficient for us and his power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul says, hey, because of that, I'm gonna boast in my weaknesses. I'm gonna, if we can paraphrase it, I'm gonna ask for help so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I, as I was studying for this week, I, I realized, I think for those of us who struggle to ask for help, and I'll, like, I struggle to ask for help, we are, we are foregoing some of the power of Christ in our lives. By faith we go, by faith we receive power, and part of that power is simply the power of to admit, I need some help. And this for us is why life groups are so important because let, let, let's say right now you're struggling with this like, ongoing habitual sin. Like for some of us, it's that. For some of us, our marriage is really tough right now. For some of us, it's, it's kids right now. For some of us, it's school. For some of us, it's, it's some mental health issues and we're not sure how exactly serious it is, but we, but we, like, but we, we have this sense that we, need, that we need help. Maybe it's help at work. Whatever it is, we have this sense that we need help. It'd be weird for you to stand up right now and say, that's me, I've got this ongoing sin stroke, I'd like to name it right now. That'd be weird, don't do that. But if you're in a life group, now you're getting to actually know a smaller group of people who can know you and love you. And maybe you share what's going on to, to the group during prayer time or discussion time. Maybe maybe you're like, man, I'm not doing that. So you just text your leader or maybe you text someone else in your life group. And you're like, man, this person, I've met them through church or through life group, but if they're in my group, they love me and they love Jesus. And I'm just gonna reach out to them and say, hey, there's some stuff going on. W- would you be willing to, to pray for me? Could we, could we get together for coffee or breakfast or something sometime soon? I just, I, I need some help. A lot of us spend our lives never doing that. And I, I think, according to Corinthians 12:9, we will be in that habit foregoing some of the power of Christ that is meant to be operative in our lives. God gives us the power to ask for help. The last thing we'll say that we see in the text is by faith, we seek something better. Hebrews eleven sixteen, 16, which we read, but as it is, they, they being Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Sarah, but as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared for them a city. Paul says in Philippians 3, 7 through 11, but whatever gain I had, I counted as lost for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. You catch what Paul said? He's like, hey, whatever I have, I count as rubbish, I count as trash, I count it as loss because Jesus is that amazing. By faith, we seek something better. Paul continues, for his sake, for Jesus' sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. So Paul's saying, hey, you and I, we don't have a righteousness of our own that comes from obeying God's law. We don't have that. You can't have that. He continues and he says, but that, that righteousness which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So by faith we go, by faith we receive power, and by faith we seek something better. So, so what is the something better? Well, if you look in the scriptures, and Paul says this in Philippians 3, the something better is actually a someone better. The something better is Jesus. Jesus is the best. He is the king. He is the savior. He is the one. Now, now, do we get heaven thrown in? Absolutely. Heaven's pretty awesome. But heaven is awesome because Jesus is there. Right? So when, when you're asking, okay, what is this better thing that we seek? The better thing that we seek has a name, and his name is Jesus. Maybe the way that we could say it is heaven is less about a place than it is about a person. So by faith we go. By faith we receive power. And by faith. We seek something better. So here in a moment, we get to watch a video. Uh, When we were planning this series back in April, I think it was, we thought, oh, it'd be pretty cool to have some testimony videos that that go with each week. So the video we're about to watch, um, I can't tell you her name. I can't tell you where she's serving. I can't tell you her job title because she might get arrested and killed if where she were knew who she was and what she was doing. I can tell you her first initial was V and that she's somewhere in Central Asia and that she's one of the long-term goers that our church has has sent and is supporting. And when we thought about Abraham and by faith we go and seek something better, she was who came to mind. And she happened to be uh, home for a little bit. Uh, home is here uh, this summer, and so we were able to, to get a video of her. And so this will not be posted online anywhere after this. Um, we're gonna show it, we showed it at 9.30 and here, and then we're gonna scrub it from our hard drives so that we don't accidentally put her in danger. And so let's, let's take a minute and, and listen to V. As I watched that this week to prepare, there were, just so many good things that, that she said. And the question that I just couldn't shake, do you think she made a good trade or a bad trade? And she talked about missing birthdays and weddings and funerals. Did she make a bad trade? I think you know the answer is no. We live in a land of birthday cake. I love it here. It's great. Birthdays, weddings, funerals. If you go, you're going to miss out on some of those things. I'm praying that some of you are called to go cross-culturally. Is that a good trade or a bad trade? If V gets arrested and killed today, did she make a bad trade? What is easy for us to do in the land of birthday cake, if I can call it that, is just to chase this version of the American dream instead of chasing the kingdom of Christ. I'm praying that some of you are gonna go and there'll be really difficult things about learning a new language and learning a new culture and sharing Christ, witnessing to Christ, not yourself, witnessing to Christ and not U.S. culture, witnessing to Christ in a foreign context. But my hunch is most of us are gonna stay. Let's not be content to seek birthday cake over the kingdom of Christ. Because by faith we go. And by faith we receive power. And by faith we seek something better. So let's be a people that seeks that something better, remembering that in Christ we are new. And because we're new, we are missionaries. And we do whatever it takes to reach the one. And we might go across the hall, or across campus, or across the city, or across central Ohio, or across the world. But let's not be content to just be a people of birthday cake. Let's pray together, please. Father in heaven, we, we praise and and thank you That by faith in your son, Jesus, you make us new. And God, because we're new, you tell us to go as witnesses to your son, Jesus, and he has promised us in Matthew 28 and other places that he will be with us to the end of the age. God, thank you that by faith in Christ, we receive power to do what you're asking us to do to go, to share, to repent of our sins, to worship you in spirit and in truth. God, we're gonna need your help to seek something better. Father, please remind us to look up and to remember that you sent us to share the great news about what Christ has accomplished. Father, we praise you for for V and uh, God, so many people who are serving in a foreign land, some of those places, really dangerous. Please bless and protect her and all the others. Give them joy in the work. Give them strength as they seek to share Christ. Give them the joy of seeing uh, people respond in faith to your son, Jesus. Father, please give us that same joy here in Central Ohio. Give us the joy of seeing people being made new, not by us, but by you. We love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' holy name, amen.